Greetings, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to see all of you. Shout out to a couple of you. Joe Scuttlark, we prayed for your health on Monday. There you are. You're here. The Shellhammers, give us a wave back from Florida. Good to see you guys. Uh, all of you watching online, my parents watching online, our littlest Theo, he's five, he has a cough, so we let him stay home, not by himself, with a babysitter. So hi, Theo. Your dad says hi. Anyways, today is Palm Sunday, and I hope already you, you have an idea of why it's called Palm Sunday. By the end of this day, I sure hope you know why we call it Palm Sunday. The title of this message is Jesus is Our Rescue. Jesus is our rescue. And we're going to define this term. Brett already said what it means. Hosanna means save, help, rescue. Yes. And so we'll read this passage and talk about Jesus as our rescue. And then later towards the end of this uh, sermon, I will talk about something that we're all doing as New Life congregations. There's eight congregations of New Life Church, and we are rallying together this morning to receive a legacy offering. And so I'll talk about what that is a little bit towards the end of this sermon. But would you stand with me, if you have your Bible, a Bible in one hand, or just look at the words on the screen. In your other hand, grab your palm branch, because we will uh, lift them up in just a minute. But this is the passage of Matthew. Turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 1. You know, every single gospel has this story of Palm Sunday in it. And here we are reading from Matthew. We, uh, Brett read for us the, the book of Mark's account. Here's Matthew's. Chapter 21, verse 1. Jesus is walking with his disciples, and it says, As they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you know, because they might, they're basically stealing a donkey and a colt. Grand theft donkey. Um... (laughs) If anyone says anything, say to them, the Lord needs them, and, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, and this was spoken many years, hundreds of years ago in the book of Zechariah. It says, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle Your king comes to you, gentle, riding on the donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt uh, and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd. We read about a very large crowd last week, and it was 5,000 men. And so we, we assume there are thousands of people here. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from trees, hence the name Palm Sunday, and spread them on the roads. And the crowds went ahead of them, and and those that followed shouted, and would you read with me, lifting up your palm branches, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And then when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Well, what we just read, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Christ, you are in our midst. 
And Lord, we declare, we hope, we believe that you are our help. You are our savior. You are our rescue. And Lord, we praise you. We worship you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people at New Life Manitou, Palm Sunday, shouted, Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Have you ever said help to somebody else? Have you ever been in need literally of rescue? Anybody been in an accident? Been, I see a couple of hands. There's lots of hands actually. Been in need of rescue and saying help to someone else to that, for them to come to your rescue. Years ago, I got to go uh, deep sea fishing, which was a uh, great joy. Uh, I love going fishing. Usually it's rivers here in Colorado, fly fishing. But years ago, I was in Charleston, South Carolina. I was at a wedding and then I had a friend who had a dad and that dad's friend had a fishing boat and he was going to take us out, all four of us, uh, on a fishing trip, deep sea. So out of Charleston Bay, past Fort Sumter, into the ocean. Uh, the engine was acting kind of a little funny. The morning we got up early, it was still dark, headed out. The engine was acting funny. Something was off, but we just kept going our way out past the bay, into the ocean, had a spot. We started fishing. The, the wind is blowing us away from the shore. And as we're being blown away, we're catching fish. We're having a good time. We didn't catch any big, big things, but we caught a sea bass. I caught, what's the flat fish with the mouth on the bottom? Halibut, or uh, I caught a, I caught, a, it was just a little tiny one, but I caught a shark. Legitimately, it was pretty sweet. I caught a shark and it was wonderful. A baby shark. Do, 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 do. Thank you. My wife, the worship leader. Um, it was a great day. We're having fun. We go, it's the day's kind of ending. And by this time, the, the, the wind has blown us way out. We, just, we still can barely see the shore, but we're being blown out. We go to start the engine. The engine starts, but something is wrong with like the transmission. I'm no boat mechanic, but it was like we were stuck in a really, really low gear, like a trolling gear, really low. And the wind was blowing us into the ocean and it wasn't enough to even overcome the wind. And so we were going nowhere. We're actually losing ground keep getting pushed out into the ocean. And I'm like, okay, this is a problem, right guys? And you know, the, you know how guys are, you know, they want to down, but no, we got this. You know, the owner of the boat is like opening up hatches and trying to figure out what's going. None of us are boat mechanics. We don't know. And, and so I begin to, I'm a little nervous. Anybody else be a little nervous at this point? Like, okay, this is the Atlantic ocean. This isn't like, you know, 11 mile uh, reservoir where if you get blown across, you're just going to be on the other side. This is the Atlantic ocean. We, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, we could be out here for days and I'm thinking, and a boat comes by. So finally, like a boat comes by and we decide we should wave this boat. And so we just wave to the boat. We're like, hey, boat, uh, we need to help. Come on over. And the boat, guess what they do? They see us and they wave back. Hi. And they just keep going. And we're like, okay. Then it sets in like, okay. Uh, right. Let's, I'm, I start to ask uh, maybe dumb questions, but nobody's cell phone works, right? We're out, we're out too far, right? Yep. No one's cell phone works. Uh, I, I ask, uh, do, do we have like one of those marine radios? No, no, we don't. Do we even, you know, do, a little while passes. Uh, do we have a flare gun? No, we don't have that. Um, and we're still getting blown out this whole time. And then I begin to think, like, I'm, I'm Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, show some respect later. Um, I begin to think, like, survival mode, like, how much water do we have? It's Charleston, it's hot. And one of the dads has, like, a little tiny cooler of Diet Cokes, and I have, like, half a Nalgene, and my buddy has half a Nalgene. And we're like, okay, this is 
Oh, this is pretty serious, right? Like this is the situation here. We're still getting blown out. It's well past the time. And I, I, I remember asking, did anyone tell anybody else like where exactly we were going fishing? And no, nobody told anybody. Like we so we're we going fishing in the ocean. That was all everybody knew. And I'm like, okay, this is a situation at, at hand here. And uh, hours pass. And we're, we're like, begin, I think we're all at that point beginning like, this is, okay, we're, we might be out here tonight and we might be out here for a while. And my, I'm like, my, I'm, a little, I'm a little nervous, okay? At this point, I'm a little nervous and we see a boat on the horizon and it's coming our way. And so we're like, guys, this is now our chance. We're not going to be like, hey, we need help. No. So we all take off our shirts and we are screaming, help save us. And sure enough, this time the boat comes over and they're like, what do you guys need? What are you doing out here so far? We're like, well, our engine is broken. So they're like, well, let us just tow you back in. No problem. They tow us back into the bay. We made a call to the tow boat. We were rescued. But that moment of shouting, help, save us. This is what the people are shouting in this story. They're shouting Hosanna, which means safe rescue, help. Why in the world are they shouting this to Jesus? So right now, what I want to do is two things. First, go into like the context, why they would have been shouting this help us, and then go into, uh, well, what Jesus did for them. It's different. Jesus did help them. Jesus did save them. Jesus did rescue, but it's very different from what they were expecting. So here's the sermon. The title is Jesus is our rescue. We're going to have to get a little nerdy for just a second. Are you okay with that? Should we do a nerd alert? Nerd alert? Okay, that's, that's, if you're new, that's just, just pretend that didn't happen. Um, it's, it's just what we do. It's, it's me. It's not you. It's me. It's weird. Uh, so the nerd alert is we're going to get a little bit into the historical context of this first century and what was happening. And in 63 BC, the Romans had conquered Israel and specifically the capital city of Jerusalem. So 63 BC, what does that mean? 63 years before Christ. So for 63 years before Jesus came, the Romans ruled over Jerusalem and they ruled, ruled over Israel. This would be like, because it's in our minds and, and Brett made uh, mention of it as well. This would be like if Russia does not leave the Ukraine and there's a military oppression, there's a military presence of the Russians in the Ukraine for like a whole generation. We don't know that that's going to happen. But if, imagine 60 plus years of a military occupa- occupation of the Russians in the Ukraine. This is maybe something like what the Jewish people want the Romans to get out of there. They're being heavily, heavily taxed. I've heard numbers as high as 80% tax rate for these Israelites living in their own country being taxed by the Romans. Like whatever your tax rate is, it's probably not that high. So we could thank the Lord for that. Uh, And tax day is coming up, by the way. Um, But they're being taxed. They're being oppressed. 
There's laws put in place. They can't gather in masses. They can't, uh, they can't worship as, as freely as they want to. Um, it, is a, it is a time, and this story happens during Passover. And so there is a great amount of people coming into the city of Jerusalem and the Romans are on high alert. Extra uh, troops have been sent in and it's, it's like code red for a revolt. And the people are gathered together, a huge crowd. It says, we don't know how many exactly, but I could imagine thousands. Usually when the Bible says a very large crowd, there are thousands of people, a throng of people shouting, save us to Jesus. And they're running out and they're taking off their own cloaks and they're laying them on the ground. And those that don't have cloaks or for whatever reason, they're also taking palm branches and they're laying them on the ground. And Jesus is walking on them and the people are shouting, Hosanna, save us, rescue us, help us right now. And we have to begin to wonder, like, what is going on? Well, they hope that Jesus is going to rally the crowd and he's going to start a revolt. And we could assume that in the context of the people shouting this, they're hoping Jesus will kick the Romans out. They'll get, they'll get people together and they will militarily or revolt or rebel against Rome and Rome will be pushed out. That's what the people are hoping for. Jesus saves, but not in that way. Because what we see is this hope that people have that he is going to be the king. Zechariah 9.9. This is the passage being fulfilled here as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, a colt. Uh, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous, victorious, lowly riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So these animals are here, a clear representation that this passage is being fulfilled, that a king, a messianic king is coming in. And the people are shouting, help us, save us, deliver us from this Roman oppression. Now, Jesus is not going to do that in a military way. He's not going to do that in a political way. He's going to do that in a much, much bigger way. Amen? He's going to save the entire world. Now, we know, fast forward, that that a week from now, uh, Jesus will rise from the dead. But on Friday, he is brought in, he is executed, he is uh, treated as a criminal, and he is killed. He's executed in a form of crucifixion on a cross. And the sign above his head says what? Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus, Naz- Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's what the sign above him says. And it's meant to mock Jesus. But we see it as a great fulfillment of prophecy that this really is the Messiah. This really is the King who would come. And he's saving, not in a political or a military way, but he is saving the world with his own life. He is the king of the Jews. He does save. We say this phrase all the time about Jesus saves, right? In church, it's like, uh, you know, we use the word saves. Jesus saves. Jesus is our salvation. And I've made it a point today to say Jesus is our rescue because I think this term Jesus saves has become too churchy. Like, like it just, outside of church, it doesn't, people are confused. Like Jesus saves, what does that mean? What does he save us from? What would you say if someone asks you, like, I've heard this phrase, you know, Jesus saves. What does Jesus save us from? Like, some people would even argue, like, like what outside of the church? Like, what, what does Jesus even save us from? I don't need saving is what maybe some people would say. 
In fact, there's like this mocking, uh, I've, I've seen uh, four uh, like memes, like funny things making fun of this statement, Jesus saves. I was going to show them, but I thought that would really uh, be <laughs> just not a good thing to do. Um, and so some of you are going to be offended. Some of you are just going to laugh with me. Um, but this is like the outside world uh, thinks like this phrase, Jesus saves. Uh, the first one is, is just imagine a picture of Jesus in front of a goal, like a soccer goal and with goalie gloves on. And it says, Jesus saves. Like, okay, funny, not funny. Uh, another one I saw this week was Jesus at the kitchen uh, table cutting out coupons. The caption read, Jesus saves. It's, it's a little funny. Uh, another one was a Jesus with a joystick uh, playing a video game. And it said, don't forget, Jesus saves at the end of every level. <laughs> it's so silly. It's silly. It's, it's silly. It's humorous. Uh, final one, Jesus as a teller in a bank. And it says, uh, Jesus saves in a 401k. It's like, okay, I, it's fine. Like to the outside world, this statement, Jesus saves, might not make any sense. I think a lot of people could say, like, well, I don't need saving. What does Jesus actually save us from? What would you say? I mean, some of you, you might be asked this question. What does Jesus ultimately save us from? Well, a pretty good answer would be sin. He saves us from sin. He saves us uh, from ourselves. He saves us from unrighteousness. But ultimately, do you want to hear some really good news right now? All joking aside, Jesus saves us from the consequences of sin. Romans says the wages of sin is death. The good news that I get to proclaim, if you, if you need some good news this morning, if you've come in here and maybe you're grieving the loss, I had an uncle die just uh, the week prior. If you're grieving the loss of someone, if you're grieving in your own hearts, if you're fearing death for someone near you, for your own self, death is a monster. But Jesus saves us from death. The point here is Jesus is our rescue from death. And let me read for you some of the words that Jesus has to say about death and how he rescues us from death. Jesus says this to a a fellow uh, thief on the cross, someone who's next to him on a cross. You might know this passage very well. Luke 23, 42, Jesus answers him, tells this other person who is about to die, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in, in paradise about that. Like Jesus is, is proclaiming that you're going to be in paradise today. Death is not the end. To Martha, like there's this feast with uh, uh, Martha and Mary. It's actually happened uh, in, in the Holy Week, the church calendar yesterday. Uh, Saturday is this day where Jesus eats with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I guess back then it was customary if uh, someone died, like Lazarus died, and someone was to raise that person from the dead, then you would have them over for dinner. <laughs> Just custom back then. So anyways, Jesus was having dinner with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And before this... Jesus comes into town and Martha's like, you're too late. He's dead. And Jesus says this to Martha uh, concerning like they're grieving the loss of their brother Lazarus. And Jesus has the boldness. I mean, listen to this claim. John 11 verse 25, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. What a bold claim. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never 
die. Jesus promises that if you're in him, you will never die. You will be in paradise. The famous verse, here's another one, John 3, 16. Say it along with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. So if you're in Jesus, the good news is that you won't die you will be in paradise. And even though you die, you will live and you won't perish and you'll have eternal life. John 5, 24 says, Jesus says this, a claim. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He is crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth. The time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. One more, the final one here. Uh, There's many more passages like this where Jesus promises life after death and that those who believe won't even die. A mystery of how this all works, but a very hopeful, wonderful promise. Uh, Jesus says this in John 8, 51, I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You see these promises I just read. You'll never see death. You'll have eternal life. You will never perish. You'll never die. You'll be in paradise. Jesus rescues us from death. This is what we believe. This is the gospel. This is the Christian message. This is what we proclaim outside of these walls. And in here, we proclaim and we believe that this cross that we have here, when Jesus died on the cross, he was giving of his own life so that we would be rescued from our death and the consequences of sin and unrighteousness and our own death. That's why we exist as a church. We often say our our vision statement, the why we exist statement of New Life Church, New Life Manitou, is that we will make disciples, calling them to worship and connect and to serve. And why do we do this? Why do we talk about, you know, making disciples? Well, because those that are in Christ, those that believe, those that are in faith and in Jesus, there is great hope that we will not die. Jesus saves us from death. This is why we have a great... um, a mission in Manitou to to proclaim that Jesus is our savior, that Jesus is the one who saves us from death. There's exciting things uh, looking on to like this summer. There is, we're gonna do, it's the first time we've done this. um, And I'm very hopeful for our New Life Manitou summer camp for kids. We're gonna invite kids and your kids, they can come, church kids, they can come. But really this is going to be a camp for kids that don't normally come to church. We're gonna make it lots of fun. We'll hopefully have like bounce houses and food and free lunch and a free summer camp for kids that maybe wouldn't, uh, couldn't afford a summer camp that's not free. We're going to invite them in. We're going to have a lot of fun and we're going to tell them that Jesus loves them. We're going to tell them that there is so much hope in Jesus, that he is our rescuer. He is our help. He is our savior. Amen. Amen. Today, after church, if you're interested in this, we'll have an information meeting about New Life Manitou summer camp. Plan on just sticking right here after the service. We'll get started about 15 minutes after service. We'll have a quick, about a 30-minute uh, meeting to talk about the summer camp and what we hope to do, our vision for this summer camp coming. One more thing. Um, this is something that all the other congregations at New Life are talking about today. Um, what we are, New Life Church is eight congregations in the Pikes Peak region meeting in six different locations speaking three languages, uh, English, uh, Spanish, and Chinese. Uh, 
And amongst us is today a very special day, a historic day in our history as New Life Church. And we're taking a a legacy offering. The the idea is to pay off the debt of our North building. So the North congregation, we have an incredible facility. In fact, we are all invited up there on Good Friday. This Friday, we'll we'll be up there at New Life Manitou. uh, If you want to sit and see other people from New Life Manitou, uh, 6.30 uh, Good Friday, uh, we'll try to sit in section 11. But there's that building. Many of you, are you familiar with the building up there? It's huge. It's wonderful. It's bigger than the World Arena because we were years ago renting the World Arena for services. And they were like, let's build our own building that can hold us all. And it's wonderful. It was built for a huge amount of money, uh, $27, 28000000 million. And we've paid that down since Brady has come. Uh, we've paid it down to $9 million something. And every, it's still a lot of money. It's amazing that, the, the, that we've seen that much paid down in that amount of time. And every year, uh, if we add up the money we pay in mortgage to the bank, um, it's about a million dollars that the congregations, we, we, we New Life North, uh, is paying that amount. Uh, and imagine what you could do. I'm just thinking like most of us in here either have a rent payment or a mortgage payment. Imagine what you could do if you didn't have that. Imagine what you could do if your house was paid off. Some of you are in that situation. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. We could see grandkids and we'd have, we could do this, we could do that. We have money to give to missions and missionaries and the church and it's wonderful. Imagine what we could do when we free up that amount of money. And the idea is that, because uh, this, let me explain this a little bit better because we're New Life Manager. You're like, why would we pay off a building for another church? Well, first of all, it's all the same church. New Life, we have different congregations and we're all the same church. Secondly, it's like they're the, they're the parent congregation. They're mom and dad congregation. And we, New Life Manitou, New Life East, New Life Midtown, Nueva Vida, we are like the sons and daughter congregations being sent out. And, and, and we're all together, but the really New Life North was first. And we're gathering together, the congregations t- today, to, to make a declaration and say, we're going to pay off this debt. And the idea is, it's going to free up money, it's going to free up funds for God's work in the Pikes Peak region. So the other congregations, like New Life Manitou, we don't own this building, we rent this building. New Life East rents, uh, New Life Downtown rents, New Life Midtown, they rent space. We would like at some point to have New Life congregations have their own building. It's it's our hope. It's a dream of the elders of New Life that New Life Manitou, maybe one day a building will free up, go for sale, and we would have the funds to be able to purchase it. Like that, these are hopes in the future of what we hope and, and pray that God is doing amongst us. Wouldn't that be awesome? Permanent space where we're not renting because we're vulnerable to the owner doing something else with the building or wanting to raise the rent or whatever. We're vulnerable. And wouldn't it be awesome to have a long time permanent place in Manitou? That would be wonderful. And a part of that plan is to pay off buildings. And so um, Brady, the senior pastor of New Life North, he said, wouldn't it be awesome if this year we could pay off that debt and it would free up money. So that is the legacy offering. I'll be talking about this again in December. For some of you are like, I've heard about it. I wonder what it was. That's what it is. So when you give to New Life, you could write checks and, and write legacy offering. Well, this is the kind of offering that's like above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings that you give weekly or monthly. Um, this would be, uh, if you go give online, you could, uh, there's a pull down tab that, that you, I imagine you usually choose New Life Manitou. There's a pull down tab if you go online to the legacy offering. And that's what this is. Eric and I have prayed. We're going to give 
give to this. This is something that I present to you as a way to give, a way for the kingdom of God to open up and these funds, you know, to pay off. uh, We're like paying interest. Like, let's not pay interest. Let's pay into the kingdom of God and his work. So, amen? Amen. All right, let me go back. Let me close this sermon with... uh, kind of the Holy Week lineup. Um, Because yesterday, uh, if we're to go back in time and look at the church calendar, yesterday Jesus is with Martha and Mary and Lazarus eating that meal. And Mary has a bottle of perfume and she breaks it open. And can you imagine, she with her hair wipes this perfume on Jesus' feet. And Jesus says something, I imagine people there were like, wait, what did he just say? He says, she's doing this for my burial for my death. And I wonder if anyone at that moment caught it. Um, but he's predicting his death. In, in one week from yesterday, he will be in a grave. And this starts, Palm Sunday starts Holy Week. So Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem. And we have a course of events through Monday into Thursday, where the last thing Jesus does before the garden and getting arrested is he shares a meal with his disciples. He sits down with them and he breaks bread He says, like this bread is broken, this is my body broken for you, which must have been very bizarre to hear this at the time. But in hindsight, it makes so much sense. He, God, Jesus, fully God, is giving his life for us. He dies to conquer death for us, to free us, to rescue us from death. On that same night, he takes a cup and he gives it to his disciples and he says, this is my blood shed for you. And it must have, once again, been bizarre in the moment to hear someone saying, this is like my body, this is my blood shed for you. But in hindsight, we could look back and say, Jesus really did save God, fully God on the cross. His death was death for our life. He conquered death so that he could rescue us from death. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the band to come forward. In just a moment, Brett's going to come and he's going to lead us to the table. But would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads in this moment and just take, take a moment and pause? God, we, we proclaim, we hope, we believe that you are our rescue. You are the one that, Lord, you save us here and now from sin, from unrighteousness. You save us from ourselves. You save us from pride. You save us from lies. And Lord, the consequences of sin is ultimately death. And Lord, we read some of these so hopeful passages that you are the God who saves us from the wages of sin, which is death. That in you, because you've conquered death, you've risen from the grave, not just a resuscitation coming back, but you have fully risen a new body. You've resurrected from the grave. Oh, we can look to you and say, Lord, you've conquered death. You've, you've conquered our own death. You've conquered the death of our loved ones and that they are with you. You've said, uh, we're gonna be with you in paradise. You said that, that if we're in you, then we're, then we're not gonna die. We're not gonna perish. We're gonna have eternal life. And even though we die, we will not die is what you say. So Lord, we receive this word today that you are our rescue. You've rescued us from death and we praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.